regulation skill pushed out. Yeah. So we get some content going, so people get a better sense of what kind of help is out there. Yes. And a little taste of it. Um, we've been thinking about this for for three years, my love. Well, I'm excited. But, Let's do but, it. Um, it's a perfect introduction. This is Larry um, Thompson, and he owns Integrative Healthcare Concept. Right? Is that the whole title? Yeah, it's called uh, uh, very concept. close, very close. Sorry, uh, Integrative Care Concepts and Consultation. Integrative Care Concepts and Consultation. Yeah. And we're out here in Eatontown, New Jersey. That's where this is the main office, right? Or is this the? Yeah, state? we have. Um, so this is the the hub. Mm-hmm. Therapy on Hope Road. Cool. That's it. I couldn't buy it if I tried to. So uh, this is the main location. We've been here 17 years. Cool. Uh, we have location in Jackson. Been there about nine years. Cool. A brand new office we opened up two years ago in Tin Falls here. Mm-hmm. And then an office in Montclair. Sick. Um, we are uh, uh, integrated mental health. So integrated care concepts is integrated mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, a little different than what people traditionally think. Um, most people think like integrated mental health is a psychiatrist hanging out with a like primary care doc. But that's allopathic medicine. Hmm. Right? We believe integrated mental health is we have Western ways, allopathic medicine, and holistic medicine coming together to work together under the same healing kind of sky. Mm-hmm. Allopathic says, Western medicine says, let's put something into you, medication, take something out of you, surgery, to cure your symptoms. Mm-hmm. Symptoms need to be cured. Mm-hmm. Okay. Holistic medicine says, <laughs> symptoms are an invitation to come back into balance, to care. Mm-hmm. So, again, holistic medicine or non-duality is yoga, art, sand, eco, equine, meditation, um, acupressure. Mm-hmm. They want to address symptoms as, hey, something's going on here. How do you care for yourself better? Mm-hmm. So we have seven psychiatrists, uh, we have 65 therapists, we have 12 mind-body people. Um, some people come here for medication and stay for meditation. Uh, some people come for the pills and stay for the skills. Yep. Uh, we have basketball robots of therapy, we got a flavor for everybody. <laughs> really These are my jokes. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is I go and do like public, <laughs> public speaking. This is what I use to get people kind of thinking about, yeah. like, yeah, why don't, why don't we do that? Okay, I got a couple jokes in my thing. It's very hard to learn something new to care for yourself when your brain's on fire. It you is. can't learn algebra two if your head's on fire. So sometimes medication can be helpful mm-hmm. to create a clearing the brain so you can learn to use your brain differently. Mm-hmm. But once you learn how to use your brain differently, the structure of the brain change and meds are no longer needed. Mm-hmm. Any psychiatrist saying that you're on this pill forever, run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's supposed yeah, to be a yeah. bridge. Yeah. You have pneumonia. Mm-hmm. You take an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. Pneumonia goes away. Yes. You don't keep on taking the antibiotic. Taking the medicine. Yeah. So it's unfortunately that our society's gotten so commoditized into mental health that that's really not oftentimes a conversation. Yeah. You know? Which is a hundred percent the reason why you're my therapist. <laughs> uh, I, there's, yeah, there's, there's many reasons. It. Yeah, many reasons. It. Well, you get it, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, I just, uh, I was saying earlier, I was like, every time I walk down these halls, I'm like, how the hell do I end up working in a place like this? Not necessarily right here, but I'm like, I want to cultivate this energy in any office that I, you know, ever create or space that I have. Uh, you know, to hear you say that, my love, what arises is, is of course, joy. I'm happy that that's your experience, but um, 
You use the word energy. Um, there's a part of your nervous system back here in your limbic brain called neuroception. Mm. Um, common tongue, it's called like vibe or sense or spidey sense, right? You walk into a room, two people in a room. They've been fighting. You walk in, they're all quiet, but you can feel the tension. Mm. Um, you go to that house, it's kind of creepy. You don't know why it's creepy, but it feels creepy. Mm -hmm. uh, that's neuroception. So we try so hard here to create energy. Yeah. The colors on the wall, dimmable lights. But 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 honestly, like the people working together, like yeah. uh, like like that lady at the front desk, like she's cool. Yeah. I love that lady. I mean, she's yeah. got a beautiful smile, and uh, and she knows that I like have affinity to her. Yeah. Why would you go to a place for care that no one wants to be at? Yeah. No. Right? No, I wouldn't so want to walk be in, there. like, I think the people here kind of, like, enjoy each other. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Kind 100%. Of, right? 100%. Yeah. I mean, like, we're not, we're not all best friends in Kumbaya, but, but we, we have enough human respect, mm -hmm. and it's called equanimity in Zen psychology. Yeah. Enough equality here mm -hmm. that we're just kind of like people trying to, like, help people. Yeah. Um... And so you say that, it feels good. And like, yeah, because it's energy. I mean, you are, um, you have inherent embodied presence based on all things that you do yeah. and all things you have done. So you operate in the world very present, very embodied, not a lot of ego. And so it allows you to be open because you are very Zen in many ways, but being very present minded to surf and escape. You, know, you have to be really present, and so and so you're you're much more you're much more aware of that type of energy. But even people who aren't aware still kind of feel it. I th I think everybody feels everything, and it's whether they know they're feeling it or not. Um, like your brain has so many ways of tricking you and thinking that some feelings <laughs> are other feelings and their yeah. ego and stuff like that. But I just think it's like any time that I just like you really just open, like you just don't care. It's like all good no matter what and you're in a room and you just like let someone else just be them just like i don't know it's palpable i'm like i kind of understand what i'm doing sometimes like right you're like oh i'm gonna be open to this person and just not judge you know like mm -hmm. you can see when a person needs you know openness or whatever and then like how they kind of react to that but i don't think that they realize that they're reacting because you're open mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so it is, yeah, which is always fun. Uh, you're speaking two things, my love, at least to my mind, you're speaking two things. And one thing you're speaking about is just the, the power of being mm. present. Yeah. Uh, I can't see or feel anything or know that I see or feel anything if I'm not really present for it, mm. awake to it. Mm -hmm. right? And they talk about this really kind of like intense, um, almost magical in some ways, I think. Um, what happens when uh, I'm just open to awareness of self without judging what should be in that awareness? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where I allow whatever to be there to be there and not take opinion what should and shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. That is just open spacious awareness. Yeah. Which all parts are welcome. Mm -hmm. In our society, we don't get trained on that. No. But once you have gotten to the place where then you recognize that, the openness, you recognize openness. It's so nice when someone's open to you yeah. and you're caught and you're like, oh, they're just letting it, they're just letting me be whatever, like, and you're just like, ah, and it's so much easier because it's not like, 
they're not catering to you, but they're not also not catering to you. So they're just letting you do it, and then you realize, well, all I can do now is just drop it, and it mm-hmm. makes it so much easier just to drop it. Yeah, you move you move away from that you know, alien other defensiveness. Yeah. Where I have to be, where you should be. No, mm-hmm. you're allowed to be you. Yeah. In all your you-ness. Yep. Right. Uh, allowed to be me and all my my you know mindness. Mm-hmm. And just that presence, it's it's inherent respect, it's inherent compassion. Mm-hmm. In the East, uh, there's four unlimited attitudes. Uh, the belief is that you could practice these unlimitedly. Right? Joy, loving kindness, compassion, and equanimity. And that's what you're speaking of beautifully, my love. That can we all get to a place where uh, I honor that you have as much right to sunshine on your face, good food, that you, that, that we're equals here. Mm-hmm. Um, inherent birthright equal here. And that all parts of you and all parts of me are allowed to be what they are in that basic, you know, equanimity, you know, equality. Mm-hmm. You drop the defensiveness, you drop the ego. Um, we're so far from that now in our culture, in our society at this point, it's heartbreaking at times to see how divisive we are. But when you get those moments, like what, what happens for me and you oftentimes, I hope, definitely my experience, but in general, um, it's just such a release. It's such a relief. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see you. I like that. I love that movie Avatar. I see you. <laughs> right? I really see you as, as a beautiful piece of, uh-huh. of, of the world mm-hmm. um, walking around. And uh, seeing you means also see me as being equal to that too. I'm not less than you. Mm-hmm. And I've got to apologize for me. Being who I am. Oh, freedom to that. Oh, freedom to that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The, the idea of awareness itself, um, there is, I'm aware of, that's one quality of awareness, but you're speaking of just, you know, being aware of self, where I just allow whatever to be there, to be there without thinking of my ego. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware of that chair. Larry's aware of that chair. Mm-hmm. First chair, yeah. no Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and that's really allowing things to happen. Yep. Yeah. Loving awareness. I am loving awareness. Yeah. That, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, hard, hard to do that all the time. It's it's threatening. Um, we're so conditioned, my love. I mean, judgment. Um. The Buddha said the last thing you drop on the way to enlightenment is judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're so good at it. Mm-hmm. Or not good at it, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, uh, we're good at making shortcuts. Um, so just allowing allowing the uncomfortable to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. without having to uh, deny it, <clears throat> change it, attack it. That's radical. Mm-hmm. To believe that things are inherently benign mm-hmm. and not evil, bad, you know, as I've shared with you, this is radical. You know, a lot of people look at me kind of weird. Um, my first wife, Catherine, uh, transcended when I was 38, mm-hmm. undefeated from breast cancer. Um, probably the best person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Just a really good person. 
Um, how can that be benign? That shouldn't happen. That was wrong. Mm-hmm. Think of all the judgment that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. What am I really saying? Heartbreaking, devastating, dismantled my life, terrified me. Right? Mm-hmm. Judgment's so much easier to say. Yeah. Bad, wrong, broken. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have. Uh, a shortcut, a spiritual bypass yeah. in wanting to have control over what was so uncontrollable in feeling. Yeah. To just be awareness of it, to work with it directly, heartbreaking, devastating, painful, scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not saying wanted. Yeah, no. But, but to drop the judgment of it. Yeah. And say, it happened. This is what invited. You know that that's you know that that trigger invited us in me. Let me work with that. Mm-hmm. And if I did not already know much of the way, uh, I was still younger in my practice than I am today. You know, this is fifteen years ago. But um, uh, the practice of mindfulness meditation, the practice of the way, you know, uh, very helpful. Yeah. To get a head around this, because once you start judging, that should have happened. Mm-hmm. Then the rest of your life becomes a mistake. Yeah. If that hadn't, if that wouldn't have happened, this wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. If she was here now, this. But I have no power over that now, mm-hmm. and so you're deferring power over to something that you have no influence over, and it dictates the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think a lot of that comes from like overuse of language. The English language is just so like. It's like egocentric in a good way and a bad way because it comes a lot of from like I like the word I and like owning a lot of what you have and uh, I or just like are or whatever but I the way that our language evolved is kind of like a testament to what's going on like the way we use language is like kind of how we're feeling in America or just in general and people around us but I learned something interesting was, so in English, you say, like, I'm afraid, like, I'm scared, I'm angry. But in Spanish, you say, I have fear, I have anger, right? But then it goes further in Tibetan, old Tibetan, whatever. I don't know, is that what the language is called? Uh, uh, Sanskrit might be language. Um, there's a few <clears throat> different, Pali was okay. also language back then, too. They say, like the ancient they say fear is here. Beautiful. And anger is here. And so it's just that one more step removing you from what's there. And so I always think about that. Like now, you've helped me so much. Just like remove myself from feeling and remove myself. Not Ugh. in a good way. But just, just be able to sit in it without reacting toward, to it. And, and, and understanding that emotion is information and it's not, you know... That's what it is, just at a core level. Man, so you're so, you're, you are so trippy. It's cool. To, to, not, to not have formal education, but to have direct life experience, uh, you are definitely um, exemplifying what uh, the Buddha, uh, you know, my tradition, my first my first faith tradition was Catholicism. So you can be like a me meditating Catholic. Yeah, yeah so me too. I'm not too. trying to push it. That's what my mom was. Yeah. She said the coolest shit, like, ever. She would always, like, transcend, like, this, like, little stuff, break, break yeah. that stuff. But she, uh, she was a greeter in the church in Miles Beach. 
but she told me when I was younger, she was like, nah, I don't really believe in hell. Like, I think, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. a load of baloney. Yeah. Like, she's like, I don't, yeah. I don't think like, you know, I don't think that there's some like terrible place you go and pay. Like, that yeah. just sounds like bullshit to me. She goes, I'm just going to choose to believe in heaven. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, so I'm not trying to push Buddhism, but what I love about many things of it yeah. and what you exemplify, my friend, is the Buddha said, don't look at me as the way. Mm-hmm. Don't look at me as the answer. I'm just a finger pointing to the moon. Yeah. Meaning, there's many ways of finding the moon of your own truth and recovery. And through your direct live, you know, lived experience, you come to the same places like so wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Well, love, you're pointing to a theory in the West called neuro-linguistic programming. Mm-hmm. Neuro-linguistic. Mm-hmm. The words we use shapes our brain. Yep. And how we use our brain is shaped by the language we use. Mm-hmm. NLP used to be trained to therapists, but then it stopped because it got, it got kind of co-opted by the CIA yeah. And by marketing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so trying to manipulate people, coerce people by yeah. changing language. Yeah. And so my profession moved away from that technique mm. because it was uh, very powerful and very effective and not often used in benign ways. Mm-hmm. Right? So I love what you're saying. You're completely correct, my friend, that the language we use completely shapes uh, how we think and how we think gets reinforced by language we use. It's a closed system. Mm-hmm. That's why the inventors of Google and Facebook and all that um, know that system way too well, mm-hmm. right? So, and the second thing you point to beautifully is, uh, again, the power of just open spaces awareness, mm-hmm. saying, because um, once you say, like you said beautifully, once you say, I am anger, then you're becoming an emotion, and emotion is not thought, wisdom. Emotions is emotion. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I'm observing anger arriving from me. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm observing anxiety. Wow, I feel that f- I feel that flush of anxiety allows me to still be a step removed, where I have access to my wisdom. I have access to my thoughts. I have access to all that I know. I'm not just in the emotion. Yeah. I still have access to observation. Yeah. That, you know, I'm not it. You know, there's a another practice I love so much based on what you said, that, that you can you can ask and answer the same question with a different answer over and over again. And the question is, um, who am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? I'm Larry Thompson. Who am I? I'm a white male. Mm-hmm. Who am I? I'm a lover. Who am I? I'm a father. And go on and on and on. There's not one part of me that contains all of me. Mm-hmm. So how could anger contain all of me? Mm-hmm. I am angry. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to not, label that as your all of you in that moment is just false. You're, you're bringing yourself down to just one aspect of a greater, more beautiful whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you lose access to the greater, more beautiful whole. Yeah. Beautiful and brilliant. Brilliant, darling. Yeah. I, love, I love that part of language. It so does. important. It really and, is. And the other trippy thing is that uh, there's this joke, old joke, dad joke. I'm with that. Women have 50,000 words a day. Men have 5,000 words a day. So the man comes home from work, and the wife's like, you don't talk to me. And the man says, are you to about my words? Um, the part of language is that we don't have language for your experience. Uh, you can't really know, process, understand your experience. Mm-hmm. 
So for so many people I work with, I try to give them more language. Yeah. I, I encourage more language. Yeah. Because uh, how else are you supposed to know what to do with your experience if you can't describe it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. And so, it's so true. And so unlike you, many men I work with, you have great language. But many men I work with, um, a lot of the work is language. Mm -hmm. I was working with a gentleman last night. He's a football coach. Hardly depressed. Um, it took half a session for him to to get to language of uh, feeling vulnerable, um, feeling powerless. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's good. Yeah, I'm good. You know, just, you know, you know, just, you know I'm just, just tired and, just, you know, I'm just really negative. Mm -hmm. What the fuck do you mean? Like, yeah. I, I, what yeah. are you saying to me? Yeah. You give me two word answers. Like, yeah. I, I, where are we going here, bro? Uh-huh. Right. Um, very important. Yeah, yeah very it really important. is. Like, there's no way in. It really language. is because it's like when, well, when stuff that's like maybe not as like which is more obvious and like surface level, you know, it doesn't we don't have trouble speaking about it, right? It's like when you're sick, you're like I feel like shit. Well, it's because I'm sick. Mm -hmm. But it's like when you're depressed, how many people are like say that like you know I'm I'm depressed, you know. That's okay. You know, it's like, it's always like, oh, fuck, I'm doing, they don't ever <laughs> say it like, you know, it's like when you're sick, you just say, I feel, I'm cold. I, I have feel a headache, like shit. You know? I feel bad. Yeah. yeah, I just feel, I feel like shit right now. And it's like, because you know you're sick, right? It's like, yeah. you know, you're going through something, you know, your body's fighting through something. But it's like, oh, when it has to do with emotion or it has to do with some, that next step of uncomfortability or like <sighs> that next level, you know, it's so hard for us to be like, I feel like shit. Because Dude. I'm going through something. Because I'm sick. It's I hard. You. I love you, bro. I was, I was hanging out. Uh, There's this guy named uh, Eric Kuzman. Uh, he's um, the formulator of the Same Here Project. Mm -hmm. Same Here. Um, uh, American Sign Language. Yeah. Same Here. Oh, okay. Um, and his whole talk, yeah. his whole angle is exactly what you're saying. Yeah. You know... Um, you know, three out of five of us may have a uh, mental illness concern, but five out of five of us have a mental wellness concern. Yeah. And that and that being human yeah. contains experiences <clears throat> mm -hmm. that we have pathologized yeah. and, and called depression. The other two out of five just figured out how to deal with it. They didn't. They just, it's, not, it's the same shit. <laughs> They're just not that we freaking all out it. next time it happens. And his whole take, man, is stop saying hashtag no stigma. Stop stop being a dualist and trying to create things in non-dualism. Yeah. Right? That that we're all human. Yeah. We all have a mental wellness concern. We're going to have these experiences that we pathologize and stigmatize, but they're human experiences. Yeah. And it's... It, again... <laughs> The four noble truths of Buddhist psychology. Yeah. We have a body. We will get sick. Mm -hmm. Every human being has a body. And in that body is the, the potentiality of illness. Because mm -hmm. it's a human experience. And nothing's happened to a human. Sickness will manifest. It's not the human's fault. They're not bad. They're not broken. Uh, stop the stigma. How about just be human with each other? Yeah. Right? Love what you're saying. Yeah. So... I mean, someday we'll get there. Someday we'll get there where it's not about stigma. It's about just acknowledging humanity. Humanity. It's the funniest fucking thing on Instagram. 
I thought it was funny. I wasn't funny to a lot of other people. <laughs> so, uh, but, but I mean, some people were, were got what I was saying. So it was like uh, this post. It was you know some like slow piano music and some fucking guy talking all melancholy and the video is like some guy kicking leaves, and it's like, you ever feel like you're wrong and you're right? You ever feel like you're this and you're that or you know, you want to work hard, but you don't know how, and this and that. He's like, that's what it feels like to live with ADHD. And I go, that's what it feels like to be a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and everybody that was caught in their ADHD-ness, <laughs> well, they had something to say to me yeah. about how yeah. that I have no idea or awareness or anything like that or couldn't. You know, whatever. But it wasn't about, like, I didn't mean to, like, put those people down. Like, yeah, oh, you don't have ADHD, you're fine. I was like, no, no, like, it's all good. Like, we're all going through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we all go crazy sometimes. Like, we're all in it. You know, we all get caught. It's like, that's a human thing. I think diagnosing people's ADHD and diagnosing them when it's really just a human experience, we're starting to diagnose so heavily. Um, it's like, it removes you from humans. You think you're less yeah. human. You think that you're... You're sick, yeah. and you think that you're different, and you don't realize that it's just this. Is, you're being diagnosed for this point in time in your life, not as a whole person your whole life. And like we're diagnosing people as like having ADHD, and they've always had it. It's like no, they might just be going through a manic thing, or going through just like crazy time, and they don't know how to fucking control themselves. It's like they don't need yeah. So it's like that humanness. But I thought it was just so funny, like. I was just, I, uh, and I commented it with like a sweetness and damn, did I fire people up? Like, I was like, no, it's okay. Like you're just human. And it's it's so interesting. Like, uh, you know, what you're pointing to is, uh, is this koan, this paradox, this dialectic, right? Mm -hmm. How two opposites arrive together. Right. You know, how it lands for me, what you're saying is, uh, so to be kind to people who get distracted, they have to have a label? Or can't we just be kind to people because they're people? Yeah. Um, you know, be gentle with me because I'm depressed. How about we, we be gentle with everybody? Yeah. Um, you know, talk this way or recognize me because of this. How about we just recognize everyone because they exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not the duality of separateness. Absolutely. That, that I only get an accommodation <clears throat> of kindness or understanding of, or no judgment if, if you judge me first. Yeah. So, I mean, I can, but I can appreciate how people get up aroused. Yeah. Don't take, you know, my, you know, this thing from me. Mm-hmm. But it's not taking; it's acknowledging that we all go through shit. Yeah. And so, it, what you deserve definitely deserve it, but we all deserve it too because yeah. we all go through shit. Giving it to everybody isn't giving it less to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But our society, like you said, have conditioned us separate, separate, separate. Yeah, separate, it's separate, so weird. Separate. If you have, if you have a humanity that we don't recognize, then you're disabled. We're all one car accident away from being disabled. It's a human condition. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's hard. It's hard. Hardwired in us to separate. It's hardwired us to judge. Yeah, that's weird. Um, more so in probably in our culture than others, but when you pull your, it's all that waspy bullshit. You pull your, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So self determination, it's all fucking lying. It doesn't get you far. It's all because lying. I believed that for a long time. Like I believed that you could just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like you can't. 
I mean, you can, but it fucking hurts like a motherfucker. And then when you get to that next step, you're going to realize that you need people anyway. So it's like you can pull yourself up to get to the same fucking point yeah. that you would have been at anyway. There's a, a theory and a conversation that um, a large part of our uh, our society, uh, a lot of parts of our politicians, a large number of our kind of institutions buy into. It makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. And the example they give is you have two kids from the inner city same ethnicity, same socioeconomic makeup. One kid becomes a doctor. One kid becomes a, a politician, successful. The other kid becomes a gangbanger and incarcerated. They use that example to say, see, it really depends on the person. People in the same situation is person-centered, yeah. not process or situation-centered. And it's such bullshit. Oh, it's such bullshit. The kid that was able to be successful is because someone in their life said, I see you, and I facilitate that connection that you have in you because I recognize you. The other kid doesn't get that. And that's why he falls into other paths of trying to solve his problems, right? It's not. It's not. No one gets there by themselves. No one gets there by themselves. The kid that tries ends up hurting the kid that is seen and connected does not. We are not turtles that are hatched at the beach and left. Mm-hmm. We are born through a human being, and we need human beings all the way through. Mm-hmm. That's how our species has become the apex predator on this planet, mm-hmm. through our ability to work to collectively work and need each other. Yeah. It's built into what we do. It's, it's DNA. the only reason that we're... We have houses. Yeah. I was listening to NPR. When we get older, it'll happen to you too. Oh my God, I listen to NPR. It's going to happen. Don't worry, I already oh, Okay. <laughs> so listen to NPR um, about uh, solitary confinement in prison. Uh-huh. And the research and these projects trying to change the modality. A human being in isolation, even for two, three days, alters your brain chemistry mm-hmm. and... Um, sets them up prognostically and statistically for earlier death, suicide, addiction, and recidivism. Really? We do not do well in isolation. No. I worked for many, many years with a severely, persistently mentally ill adult. Yeah. And Core, Greystone, um, Hagedorn, a Trent State Psychiatric. Mm-hmm. My job was to help these individuals reintegrate into the community. So to be isolated in your own mind yeah. is suffering as well. Yeah. It's isolation and the lack of relation yeah. that causes us to suffer in the extreme cases as causing us to suffer now. And the technology we use and the media we, you know, we, we kind of get fed or we, we choose to, to eat on mm-hmm. that separates us out. We don't do well separated. No. And so um, the whole idea of a great care concept, the whole idea of the reason why I, I, I use and, and I feel so um, so lucky, so blessed to have learned from some great teachers, mindfulness-based technologies, it's all about open awareness and coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to make such just logic. It's you know just what, logic. You know what a monkey does when you put it in a cage for too long? Not of light. 
starts masturbating and hurting itself. Yeah. Yeah. Just like for some 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 form of stimulation and some form That's of, what it of, does. of I need some I need some masturbating input. crazily and hurting itself. That's what it does. Yeah, and it's crazy because it's like almost like what you see today. Yeah. It's all these people are just not going outside. Just a bunch of monkeys in cages, dude. That's it. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's that's one way. Yeah, that's it. I I wouldn't, have, but yeah, I can see the analogy. That's I can it. see the parallel. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, nice job. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I really do believe that technology. Um, so there's a there's a major research study. Um, I don't know how many how many years ago now. Um, it's called ACE scores, Adverse Childhood Experience Scores. Uh, Kaiser Permenti and um, the federal government, SAMHSA, um, uh, were together to interview uh, 17,000 people mm-hmm. uh, over their childhood experiences. They took the data and created an aggregate and looked at what they reported. Those individuals who had more adverse childhood experiences, died 20 years younger than people who didn't. There's nine categories. I have seven of them. Mm -hmm. I should be dead by now. Mm -hmm. If it was for love and connection and good therapy and good care, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Mm -hmm. Because when I've had these adverse experiences growing up, I don't know my worth, I don't know my potential, I don't know how to take care of myself, I don't know how to make good life choices, I'm suffering, and so I find ways to reduce my suffering that aren't really helpful. Mm-hmm. And so it's a community health model of an, an actuarial, actually, of outcome. So that was the first study. And in that adverse childhood experiences, you have abuse, of course, you have violence, of course. You know, you know I grew up in a house where people were hurt mm-hmm. and hit. I grew up in a house where I was hurt and hit or molested. I grew up in a house where somebody had a severe mental illness or was incarcerated. Mm-hmm. I grew up, so all these, you know, nine of these seven things. Or I had seven or nine mm-hmm. things. Years later, they came up with another ACE continuum. Adverse community experiences. I grew up in poverty. I grew up in racism. I grew up in, uh, in gun violence. You know, was I worried about food security? So the interplay between adverse childhood experiences and adverse community experiences um, without good care, love, support, and being connected can lead to a horrible health outcomes. Yeah. I believe strongly that the 21st century technology should be added to these scores because of exactly what you're saying about the isolation, about yep. uh, the lack of connectivity. Like, I believe strongly the 21st century, you know, again, building what you said, the 21st century is a uh, relationally deprived century. Mm-hmm. That there's not enough of this happening. Mm-hmm. Two people, four different people, maybe different perspectives. Just being open and aware and allowing that difference not to be threatening. Yeah. Not to be adversarial. Hard. Oh man, it's hard nowadays. Especially with especially with leaders and shit making money out of it being hard. Mm-hmm. Using it as currency. Yeah. Watch out for him. He's got long hair. He's he's a hippie. He's gonna take your he's he's gonna take your tax money and he's gonna we, we're great about blaming someone for someone else's problems and using that anger and blame to direct them to an outcome. Mm. We've gotten really good at it, though. It's not a, it's not a new book. It's been no. around a long time. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, 
It's interesting. It seems like, like honestly, from anybody, it's like love is the only way you get to it, right? Like it seems like it. Because it, just from the get-go, you don't think clearly if it's not from there. So, it, but like, why is that? I don't know. We got to start teaching kids that. But yeah. Oh, my friend. Why, why do you, why do you, like, what are you doing to me today? <laughs> oh, my God. Hanging out. So the, uh, <laughs> the theorist, my love, that you point to, as I say, my love, um, is Dr. Leo Buscaglio. God bless you, Leo. So I was coming up through my clinical development, or my development as a human. Um, uh, Leo was a psychologist who wrote three major books. He wrote more, but at least three that I read. Um, on love. And this was really weird. So Leo wrote these books. He was a professor at Cal Berkeley in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and into the 90s. And he was radical. Mm-hmm. Because he taught classes on love on the undergraduate and graduate level in psychology. And this is radical because psychologists uh, don't like to talk about things they can't measure. Uh, they see love as a black box, it's called. Because they don't know what comes into it, comes out of it. They can't measure what goes on inside that black box. So we can measure, a, you know, um, attachment. We can measure uh, bonding. We can, me- we, we can measure uh, the type of uh, alignment or alliance. or um, But we can't measure love. So love is not in psychology books. Affiliation, yeah. attachment, bonding is in psychology books. Yeah. Because they see those behaviors they can measure. Yeah. And Leo didn't like that. Yeah. Leo, like, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're here for love. Mm-hmm. Love is the gravity that keeps the moon and the stars up. <coughs> so he wrote three books that I fell in love with. <coughs> and so um, he says, why don't we talk about love enough? Why is our professional talking about love? Uh, since you've met me, you've heard me say love a lot. Mm-hmm. Because that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to love well. I want to leave this earth knowing that I tried to love well. That my babies uh, felt love. That Papa loved me. Mm-hmm. That my wives um, felt love. That you, that someone I work with, uh, felt loving kindness, love for me. Mm-hmm. That we were able to do that together. Because, like you said, you like, like that's kind of why we're here. Yeah. Um, can we get over ourselves? Yeah. Are we here for war or for love? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we would do a war a long time, love. Yeah, it's not gotten... That's, I don't know, man. Yeah, it doesn't really get... What's going on right now in Ukraine? Like, what's going yeah. on? In Africa, war. Um, God. You know, there's that movie, Terminator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a sci-fi guy. And there's a Terminator 2 movie. I was telling my, my partner about this the other day. And there's, there's a scene in it where the Terminator is looking at a child and the children are fighting and the main character um, says, we're not going to make it. And the Terminator says, it's in your nature to be angry and to be violent and destroy yourselves. It's in my memory because I, I found it so shockingly terrifying. But is that the only thing in my nature? I hope not, my friend. No. I mean, in some respects... It's not, because if that was all that there was for us... It'd be gone. New York City would have burned itself to the ground, like, you know, there's 8 million people living 
and a twenty six you know square mile piece of land. Yeah. If if anger was the only thing that made us work, that would be a burning hole for him. Yeah. So I I always say like it's crazy how hard it actually is to die. <laughs> like it's fucking hard, <laughs> right? Because you tried, yes. Because, <laughs> like, you 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 don't you're not just like ah oh, I'm just gonna die. Like, no, your body like fights you. Like, it's against everything in your nature to stay alive. So it's not it's not easy. So, right? Like, that's interesting. I have this weird thing like, if you half-ass it, you're you're done, right? Like, you can't half-ass dying you have to either just right sounds terrible but you either have to just kill yourself or live right life has this funny way of just keeping you going no matter fucking what because you see the people that are just like oh, i just want to die man all right then kill yourself sorry no i hope you don't i love you but right you don't want to die you're just in that thing. You're, uh... Because go try. Look at the homeless people in New York City. How the fuck are they still alive? Mm-hmm. How does someone be homeless for ten years with no money? How do they have the food and the water? How does their body actually stay alive? You're It's fucking hard to die. So the world conspires to keep you alive until you commit to dying. Mm-hmm. And... It, it's really strange because it's like, you you literally just see it all over the place with people that that have that like, oh whatever. But there's a place in them that still wants yeah. to stay alive. It'll keep you alive every single time. You're if, not going yeah. anywhere. You're so, not so going if, anywhere. Yeah, if you're not actively opening up your vein or you're not actively doing something. But that I mean, hold on. But that also is a testament to why it's gonna be okay because you can try and try and try. And just fucking give up, give up to the point where you're homeless on the street. But guess what, buddy? You're not going to fucking die. So why don't you just like, you know, whatever. Don't, you know, it's all going to be good. It's all love. But just keep going. You know what I mean? Just keep on going because life will conspire in your favor. But, you know, you're not just going to get out of this. I mean, we are, we have evolved on this planet. Yeah. And this apparatus that moves us around um, is equipped with all wonderful mechanisms Mm -hmm. to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, our our species we're meant is, to survive. You know, our species has adapted to almost every climate and uh, environment on this planet um, because of its ability yeah. to adapt and survive. Oh, and, yeah, and regulate, crazy right? ability, right? Um, what you're speaking to, my friend, is uh, in my mind. There's a, a conversation called organism self regulation mm-hmm. um, by the theorist Carl Rogers. Actually, Carl Rogers That's is cool. uh, considered one of the theorists about well. One of the most influential theorists about the humanistic thought of our profession. Mm. But Carl also talked about, you know, very much like a Buddhist in many ways. Um, so outside this office, you see my tree. I've kept this office for 17 years because, partly because it's on Hope Road and you can't buy a better address. Therapy, Hope Road. <laughs> Couple therapy, Hope Road. Uh, can't, can't buy it. You love that. I love it. But outside, there's a tree. And this tree, if you look deeply at the tree, you might see what Carl sees, which is every part of that tree, leaf, bark, limb, branch, root, every part of that tree has one purpose, mm-hmm. to help that tree grow as deep, as full, as long, as beautiful as possible. Every part of you and me 
has one purpose, to help us adapt, grow, stay alive, and function to our best ability, including anxiety, depression, anger, all these dark sides of ourselves that we call dark sides, also have regulatory properties and purposes. So that suicidal thought that pops in my head doesn't want me to complete suicide. It wants me to wake the fuck up mm -hmm. and look at what's going on for me. Anger mm -hmm. does not want more anger. Anxiety does not want more anxiety. It's like how thirst arises in your awareness. Thirst doesn't want more thirst. Yeah. Thirst wants like water. Water. Yeah. But wants the opposite nature to regulate yourself into balance. Mm -hmm. But no one teaches us this. Yeah. So I get this scary thought in my head. Oh my God, scary thought. Uh, it wants you to stop. It wants you to look at all suicidal ideation, call it thought, all suicide thoughts. The underlying mechanism is something is hurting me, thought, feeling, situation, that I do not know how to stop. So if I can't make it stop, I'll make me stop. Mm -hmm. Suicide is a hope of relief. Yeah. So every time I worked on, on suicide lines and crisis lines, that was mm -hmm. a question. You know, if I could, if somehow you and I or somehow something happened and that thing that's hurting you would go away tomorrow, would you still want to die? Well, of course not. Exactly. Because you don't know how to make the pain die doesn't mean there isn't a way to make it change. It means that you don't see the way right now. Mm -hmm. For 500 years, we thought the earth, no, actually, for a long time, we knew the earth was round. And then the dark ages happened and we forgot. And then uh, people were put to death believing that the earth was round again. Yeah. For a long time, we knew the earth was not the center of the universe. Yeah. And then people would put a death because we forgot that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's tragic when I'm hurting because I don't see the answer. I believe the answer doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. When I work with adolescents, uh, I go to schools and talk sometimes. And I'm often asked to talk about suicide. That's what I say to adolescents, trying to make it like relevant in their life experience. I say, uh, how many of you have gotten a car or can't wait to drive? Yeah, cool, right? Freedom. So let's say you drive your car and it breaks down. Do you just throw it out? Do you just walk away and throw the keys and walk away? Oh, no, no. What do you do with it? Car, call my dad. Yeah. No, okay, cool. You probably take your car to some place where people know how to fucking fix it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right, exactly. I'm 53, you're 17. Is it possible? The I don't know it all. It's possible you don't know it all. It's possible. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when in your life and things fucking break down and you don't know how to fix them, maybe raise your hand. Maybe someone else might know how to. You wouldn't, you wouldn't give up on your car. And they kind of seem to get that, right? Like we'll, we'll encounter things in our lives that we don't know the answer to. And going back to what you said before, my love, about belongingness, connectivity, connecting to people, asking for help. Mm -hmm. I'm 53 years old. I've been in the field 30 years. Um, I've had a pretty full life. I don't know. Like, even this conversation, you taught me things. 
like the monkey analogy. I, I, I wouldn't even thought about that, bro. I am now leaving deeper in my life with more information. Thank you very much. Very helpful. Never going to forget that image right now. Thank you very much. That's really helpful. Thank you. Right here in my head. Right there. Right there. But like that's part of it. And uh, it's not that I want to die. I want my pain to die. Mm. I don't know how to make it die. Yeah. Um, So much. Like so much to, like like, you pull out so many um, very powerful topics, my friend. Um, So many places to go. But, um, I, I like to like leave it with the love conversation. I think that's really, yeah. um, it's very, um, it's very core to how I want to operate in the world or me too. how I, I like to walk in the world. Try to. I, I try to. Me. Um, <laughs> you do good. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, in a, in a integrative restoration yoga nidra, yoga nidra, sleep the yogis. There is a, a part of that process called Sankalpa. Uh, in the east, it's called Sankalpa. In the west, we'd call it Resolve. There's three parts to that practice. And uh, one of the parts is uh, heartfelt desire or purpose. Our society wants to sell you bullshit. Our society, being a capitalist democracy, wants to sell you a purpose. Mm-hmm. To be a true human being is to decide what your purpose is. I have come this way for this reason. I am walking towards that North Star, and that North Star is I want to live well. Each person has to, hopefully, to have their own authentic life decide what that purpose is. Uh, unfortunately, the 21st century, uh, so many people I work with have lost that conversation. Yeah. They don't know why they're here. They're here to get money, to obtain, to win, to own. Um, that's not your purpose. That's not how I've ever heard you talk. Uh, it's not my purpose. Um, God, purpose love. Things get dark fucking quick. We don't have quick. a purpose. Quick. Uh, you get lost so quick. We don't have like a directional. Like like what is what is your what is you know what's your compass? You know what's yeah. your purpose? So to love well. Love uh, well. That's a good purpose, I think. Spread well, for me, love. it's a good purpose. Spread info. Yeah. Spread info about love. Uh, I have to uh, stop my love. I have a I have a couple that are waiting to chat me up. Okay. So I need to stop. Thank you. For this has time. been a lot of fun. Um, I want to do this every day now with you. I know, right? <laughs> oh, I knew you'd like it. I this, was like, I gotta cool. get them yeah, in here. This is cool. Hell this is yeah. Cool. It's a lot of fun. That's what I'm saying. Just get this in like, like out of here. Like your mind is like so like. One-